Welcome to What's in the Box, the show about films, pop culture, and literally nothing else. Tristan. Hello, mate. How you doing, buddy? I'm all right, dude. How's the W? I'm all right, man. I'm good. We haven't got Will here this week. Why not? Because he's a dad. Oh, Christ. Is he actually a dad? He's actually a dad. Oh, congratulations, Will. Big shout out. <laughs> wow. Boy or girl? Boy. Why? Because it's not a girl. This week, we're going to be talking about Star Wars The Last Jedi, because Tristan and I have both seen it. We've got some opinions of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to hearing your opinion. I'm well up for getting into that with you, because we remember we chatted about it in, like, what, episode two, was it? Yeah, something like that. Where we kind of, like, talked about our expectations for it. We got pretty excited about Ryan Johnson directing it, too. We went totally to the wrong cinema at the same time. Yes, we did. Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, we were supposed to watch it together, but no, no chance. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting into that. And it's going to be a spoiler-heavy episode as well. So if you haven't seen The Last Jedi before we start talking about it, you know, we'll see you later. I'm not going to spoil it, mate. That's the what? <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. I, I am going to spoil it. Sucked the oxygen out of the room with that one. I know. Well, obviously, Oscars are out. Did yeah. you know three of the shorts that I went to Holly Shorts with that sounds like they were my films. Let's take that back. Three of the shorts that were at Holly Shorts when I was out in LA yeah. um, have been nominated for Oscars. Have they really? Three of them. If I'm, if I'm honest, um, two of them really deserve the nomination and one of them really doesn't. Oh. But I can't say which one. What? Which was the one you showed me about the, um, the kid and like, the basketball court? and Not nominated. Oh, really? That was a good one. That was fantastic. What, what was the Holly Shorts festival that you went to then? So it's a massive festival out in LA, which takes place at Man's Chinese Theatre, which we know from. Star Wars is, where Star uh, comes Wars out and premieres every year, doesn't it? And as I was going there with the sci-fi film, I was just like, "Oh, this is heaven!" Um, it took place over ten days. Yep. And there's loads of networking events in between that, and mm. networking isn't a dirty word out in the US, as I found out. Yeah. Uh, because Americans really know how to network, and they make it really easy for you if you're British and you really don't want to speak yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I found myself talking there an awful lot you said you had a wicked time it's amazing it was absolutely incredible probably yeah, opened yeah. my eyes so you so it was held with the um, with the screenings in man's Chinese theatre yeah, they were in the multiplex that's part of it now right because the man's Chinese I believe is actually just one like the original is just one screen right okay um, and there's there's massive multiplex built around that in the same style is it like on Hollywood Boulevard are there like stars yeah. outside it with handprints yeah Clint Eastwood Tom Cruise R2D2 little wheel like, yeah it's little wheel little wheel like Vader <laughs> 3PO but how how long is that road then with all those stars on it did oh, you no, say no, it was, we're talking about two totally away? different things right so what? the stars yeah. the stars are on the Hollywood Walk yes and that is that's massive that's like a mile long a mile, I thought it was just like outside the no, that stretches, cinema. Well, Hollywood Boulevard's quite long, but it stretches an enormous distance. Yes, yes it does, yeah. Because when I went out to Harrison Ford, <laughs> like Harrison Ford's star, which yeah. I went to try and find, this is yeah. when I saw that carjacking, yeah. is right on the edge of town. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Really? Fucking hell. Gutted for Harrison Ford, mate. I don't quite know how it works. He doesn't deserve that, does it, to be out in the sticks? No, I thought you could say he doesn't deserve the stars. I get out. Of course he deserves a star. Why can't he run properly these days? What What's happened to Harrison Ford's run? When I came home, there was a man in my house. He had an artificial heart. <laughs> Did we see that together? Probably. We might have. Probably. Um, yeah, no, he's got a weird run as, a, as an old man. He's like, he's got his little little arms like that. And, he, and his body's pointed forward. 
there's I'll, I'll put screenshots of, fuck you don't believe me I'll put screenshots online <laughs> it's, it's this weird run when he's too old to run and they keep making him run in films like Indiana Jones uh, and Blade Runner and fucking Star Wars don't make him run he can't run he's too old leave him alone that's my two cents <laughs> <laughs> That's true, mate. Uh, it's true. It's, it is. Run is terrible. Is. Um, um, also, I spoke to uh, an ex-employee from Midway. Oh, oh yes. More Bec- combat. Yeah, because Midway are putting together a documentary right. focusing on what it was like to be at Midway in the 90s. Oh, shit. And developing Mortal Kombat. Yes. How awesome <laughs> is that? That'd be glass. I actually cannot wait. And uh, you and I, you and I have got a little preview copy to have a look at. Have we really? Oh, fuck. Have we really? Yeah. Shit, man. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's because I'm Just telling you. Just a little bonus on <laughs> so me. I'm telling you now. Throw in a few more swear words. Oh, Go for it. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Bring it down a level. Um, fuck. That's well good. <laughs> I can't help it. Yeah, Is, have so we really got to watch? Have we, have we got a little yeah. preview of that? We have. Mate, that's well good. I'm well up for that. Is it? Is it finished? No, it's not finished yet. They're looking uh, for notes. Oh, really? Is that why we get, get a chance to see it? To, <laughs> to give them notes? Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> um, we're not the only okay, ones. Class. We're not the only ones we might who've be the, been given I think this we privilege. Are, we're probably we're the, the only, only ones, ones who've been given this what privilege. What he's done, right? He's got to Hollywood and he's like, all right, I'm going to give it to Tristan, who I met once, who tagged along, and I'll give it to his unknown mate back home in Blighty. That's me. That's how Hollywood works. I'm the unknown mate. Do you know what else I've done? No. I've done the six-hour masterclass with Hans Zimmer. Fuck. Okay, but what did you learn then from what, from listening to Hans Zimmer with his creepy little goblin chair that he sits in with a <laughs> skull got, on it? He has got a creepy goblin yeah, chair. Yeah, I know. No, uh, I, what did he teach you then? I mean, he talks about an awful lot over the, the course of like the six hours. But one of the things he starts six talking about is his, his process. Yeah, okay. Um, and he talks about coming in in the morning to the studio and sitting on his hands. <laughs> That that is not <laughs> that is not the reason that's why Hans just, Zimmer sits on his hands. That's just how what? they do pants no. in prison. <laughs> exactly. The reason Hans Zimmer sits on his hands for an hour is to invoke the stranger. So, so yeah, one of the things mates. he will do is he will sample famous musicians playing their instruments because yep. then he can get a note that has emotion and depth to it. Rather than just having a bland note played on a synthesizer, he can have you know, something that's been played by a human. So he's, so the keys of sampled notes from like famous people's voices or something? No, no, from their, them playing their instruments. And are all these people dead, I presume, because he's sick in the head, isn't he? The goblin chair controls him and You're out, him, right? aren't you? You're the goblin king. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what else dance, has been in the news? Dance, 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 Don't look at his crotch. <laughs> you can't Never look, look about Your his crotch. eyes can be so cruel. Before we talk about Oscars, yeah. I've got some uh, fan mail that we've received. Okay. Can you believe that? So we've had, we're, what, we're six episodes in, and we've got three really nice pieces of fan mail, mate. Do you mind if I read them out? No. Okay, so a uh, couple of reviews. Uh, here's one. Hey guys, loving the pod. It's a good start. I think it's a five star show, mate. That's pretty good. Uh, just one question: How do I get a slot as guest presenter? With the floodgates have opened, we, we let Will join us, didn't we? I really, really, really want to do it. Please let me. I'll even pay my way. How does twenty five quid each sound? 
and that's from a Steven Spielberg. Here's Anonymous from, from iTunes. Chris is probably the funniest man on the internet. Tristan knows more about film than Commode. Never heard of him. Uh, and he's far less smug. What a wonderful combo for a podcast. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, and that's a combined review from both our mums. <laughs> Uh, and this is the, the one final one, and it seems like one of us has a secret admirer. Um, hi guys, wicked podcast so far. Great banter from Chris, as usual. They've spelled that Y-U-S-H-E. And that Tristan sounds like a real hunk. Any chance of his number? Chat soon, bye. And that's from Gal Gadot. I don't know who that is, mate. That sounds like a made-up lane. Let's block her. Should we talk Oscar buzz? Is there any that have particularly surprised you? Roger Deakins has been nominated for cinematography yep. for the 14th time. Fuck. And he's, is he going to win? Yes. Probably, probably not. No, of course 14th he is. 14th time. No Mate, Blade Runner was stunning. Blade Runner there. was stunning. I, and I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth. But Mate, I loved that film. Do you so remember much. when you used to hate Blade Runner more than anything in the world and now you secretly love it? No, I still hate Blade Runner, but Blade Runner 2049 was incredible. Yeah, but I'm claiming that's Blade Runner. So, um, okay, what have we got here? Best picture. Um, Call Me By Your Name. Darkest Hour. Um, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Nah, this that is the first is, time. That's gonna bomb, mate. First time Nolan's. That, oh, oh, oh shit! Oh, was that on purpose? No, it really wasn't. Oh, you need to keep that under control. I know. What oh. the f- actual fuck? It's first time Nolan's been nominated for best direct, yeah. for best film, or best. best so film. this is for best picture. Okay, first time Nolan's been nominated. This is the film I think he's got the best chance of winning with. Where, where, don't be shaking ahead of me. I'm not saying it's worthy. I'm just saying that because it's the Academy. It's the type of film that they would like to go. Like he was more, he's more likely to win with this than he was with Dark Knight, for example, which is a shame because yes. Dark Knight's a much better film. Yeah, actually, I agree with that. He's not going to win for this though, because I don't think an American audience gives enough of a fuck about this story, even though it's it's brilliantly told. Dunkirk's an absolutely stunning film. Um, it's got no but, soul to it though. Yeah, I know it's a bit clinical, as it's most like, of Nolan's t- stuff is actually, but. Um, no, this won't win. Absolutely no way. Um, which is a shame. It's got a better chance of winning over here for the BAFTAs. Agreed. Oh, it's going to just it's resonates gonna wipe, more yeah, with, a, with the board. British audience. I agree that. Agree that. Totally. Um, the Get Out. Have you seen Get Out? That was good. I have. That was really good, that wasn't was it? Good. It's just awkward. I know. Yeah, but that's fucking brilliant, though. In a um, you know, in a modern horror film, to feel that way. All that comes down. That whole film, if I remember rightly, comes down to not wanting to be impolite yeah it's what the serial killer talks about at the end of girl with the dragon tattoo like the amount of time people don't walk away when they should is just because they don't want to be rude and that's what that boils down to like he could have left the house at any point but he just doesn't it was brilliant we really enjoyed it yeah it was class um phantom thread which i watched the other week the um what's it paul anderson film with uh day lewis in it which is really good. Um, so I think that's in with a shout, actually, for Best Picture. The Post, that's uh, Spielberg's latest, isn't it? With Streep and Hanks. I've got to see it just for those two cast members. Yeah, I know. I've heard mixed things about it, mate. I've heard great things about it. Have you? Yeah. Really? Yeah, this is a wonderful review, isn't it? Have you seen it? Yeah, seen it. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah, good. Cut Next. It, cut it. And three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which also will not win Best Picture. That's Martin McDonough, isn't it? Um, who did Seven Psychopaths and In Bruges. Uh, who, who would you put your money on then to win that? Bear in mind, I don't know what Ladybird is. Call Me By Your Name, I think that'll win. Or Darkest Hour. 
I think it's between, again, but that comes back to do enough people give a fuck, like you were saying about Dunkirk. That's an incredibly British yeah. film as well. But Churchill, though, resonates to me as a character where there was no memorable historical figure for the, for a US audience yeah, in, in Dunkirk. Dunkirk. So I'm, I think Darkest Hour might do really well at this Oscars. Um, what others? So, yeah, and, and on that note, I think Oldman's going um, gonna to win Best Actor. It's about time. It is about time. Was it 15 years or something? I'd love to see Oldman win an Oscar for Best Actor. He's an absolute hero. Who's up for Best Director? Uh, Nolan. Okay. Uh, Jordan Peele for Get Out. Okay. Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread. And Shape of Water, mate. Oh, Guillermo. Ah, see, I've heard nothing but good things about Yeah. That. I think out of all the directors working, there are still very few that you could look at and within a few frames tell, oh, this is a such and such film. Mm. And Del Toro is one of those directors. Would those frames be inside a really busy monster market? You're right. It's not so much the frames. It's seeing a Del Toro monster. Yeah. You know Okay, that's him. Yes. And it's exactly the same way that you could look at a Tim Burton film from the way the set looks and be like, okay, this is a Tim Burton yeah, film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe there's only those two. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who directed Labyrinth starring David Bowie? There are dinosaurs. <laughs> there are di- I was just thinking what the unique... There isn't a, a unique identifier for a Steven Spielberg movie except uh, the score. And backlights and sort of like ghostly lights coming in through windows and children. I think that's more, Spielberg's more of a a feeling when you're watching a movie than than, uh, a visual style. Well, he has a very fluid, like in terms of camera movements, Mm. there's there's loads of movements. Like he'll create frames within frames without editing won't he so he'll so he'll start here and then move around and introduce a character into the frame and end yeah. on it he does that a lot he's and, the and king Ab- of the transforming master he is or developing master depends what you want to call it and abrams has copied that so abrams is sort of you know that's his visual style as well to a degree which is why the force awakens is the closest thing we've got to seeing Tinger a spielberg, spielberg directed star wars, yeah. star wars film which we sh- i would still like to see happen because it was supposed to happen in return of the jedi Oh, uh, was it? Yeah, oh, but it really? would have meant yeah, that. but it would have meant that Spielberg would have had to have left the Directors Guild in order to do it because of ongoing disputes with. Give a shit about that. Well, Just do it. Oh, fuck. Lucas was fined a million dollars. Oh, was it for Star Wars not having credits at the beginning? So you, at that time in cinema, you had to have your production credits yeah, at okay. the beginning of the film. Oh, I didn't know that. And he didn't that. want that. It was a union regulation. Oh, fuck! That's quite interesting. Actually. So in order to in order for that not to happen, right. he had to leave the... I'm not, I can't remember whether it was the Writers Guild or the Directors Guild. He ended up leaving both anyway. But he had to leave one of them in order to get that, and he was fined a million dollars. So, unbelievably, we've stumbled across something interesting. It's quite shocking, isn't it? Wow. Moving on to Star Wars. Okay. Spoiler, 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 um, spoiler, spoiler. Why are you doing that voice? Spoilers. Spoilers. Ryan Johnson's a spoiler. He spoiled Star Wars, says 30% of all Star Wars fans globally. It's a bit weird, isn't it? It's what the fuck, mate? That is really weird. The backlash is, is freaking me out. Yeah, totally. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were bits in the film that I didn't like. But ultimately, I mean, I cried. To watch your tear count. Mine was twice. Three, I think. For Three. Me. Yeah. And got a bit weepy. They were unexpected. I mean, it's, it's not, the, the, they're not big 
obvious emotional moments. Yeah. And then you suddenly was like, I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> like, wow. It felt like a Star Wars film, which was nice, which is as did Force Awakens. Yeah. It felt like Star Wars films, which was just lovely. Yeah. We said when we first chatted about Star Wars mm-hmm. that for episode eight to work or the second part in this trilogy, we were, it had to be something totally unexpected it couldn't be another soft it reboot another, of the yeah we couldn't retread old plots yeah so it had to go somewhere different yes but we didn't know if it would be necessarily be somewhere that we would like yes and i think that's fair to say we were expecting that with ryan johnson as writer director like it yeah. would be somewhere unusual but yes. couldn't guarantee that we'd like it yeah and i think that's certainly what we got with where luke skywalker is at in his life that yep. was the most heartbreaking thing to watch because yeah. I know what I wanted to see my hero do and I didn't get to see it. And I understand why, but I think that's what's upset a lot of people. And also because they've made up in their minds, oh, my theory's correct, my theory's correct. Propagated by a load of sort of wishy-washy extended universe fan fiction. Don't, don't you dare. The extended, extended comics universe and, and is sort of amazing. Like, rubbish like that. It's not, I don't blame fans for having that opinion of what Luke Skywalker would actually no, be doing at not. time because it's because they've been reading it been and watching it about and whatever it for, for, for years. For years, but yeah. it's been shown to them outside of the canon. But I take yes, so I agree with all of that. But I did not expect Ryan Johnson to be given this much free reign with the story and like tear up what Abrams had, had written and and the yeah. plan that he laid down. That is uh, that was to me is is like the most shocking aspect of this, to discover that Disney has no plan for this trilogy whatsoever. They gave it to Abrams to start it off and then basically literally passed the book Straight to Johnson yeah. with, a, with a blank slate and said, you know, like, um, like a kind of party game, you finish this off, then, then you next. I can't believe they would be that kind of reckless in a way. Well, you think they'd have had this extended story over the three films mapped out? Yeah, of course, yeah, That's as what, an outline. Yeah. That's that's I couldn't believe after listening to like Abrams and uh, Johnson explain the writing process that you can just literally tear up what the previous writer director has has laid down as Abrams can now do to yeah, to but, Johnson. But now Abrams has got to come. It's almost as if he went, "Ha, deal with this." Yes, ah. yes, because he, he does because he's fucking Abrams. Now he's Abrams, mystery box bollocks. Now Abrams <laughs> has got to come back in and fix it. That's a fucking amazing point, actually, because a lot of people out there would say there's nothing to fix. There's nothing wrong with this. It's a it's a realistic portrait. It's a mature story. Fix, okay, f- forget. Yes, it is. Okay, it's, it's a mature story um, with real world themes that actually resonate rather than a simplistic fairy tale story that only resonates with people under the age of nine or men children. We fitted into all of those descriptions. Yes, we did. Fix was the wrong term, but it was almost like, imagine you and I are playing a game to try and make it as difficult for each other as possible. Yeah. Obviously, it's taken Abrams to somewhere that he never expected. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which we might see one of the best Abrams films yet. There's a this, this massive question for me. Like, firstly, I hate Abrams for his mystery box style storytelling. Why? Because it's too easy. It's too easy just to write a load of half-baked stories 
and and just never finish them. I don't see it like that. At but all. he did. He hasn't. He had. He had no plan for the major characters or or plots in this film. Like take these. No, Snoke but, but, guy. but from the way you're describing, you're describing it like the plots never finish. There's yeah. a completed plot within the within the Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a completed plot, but there's incomplete plot lines that leave the narrative and are expected for someone else to pick yeah, up. Yeah, that's perfection no it's not that's lazy no that's it's lazy not. No, no, writing. no 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 let me compare it lazy writing is damon lindelof's approach <laughs> because lindelof's approach to mystery and the mystery box is to write a full outline and then with a pen and just go right i won't explain that but i won't explain that and i won't explain that mystery it's like that's that's lazy writing but that but lindelof's abram's writing partner so clearly abram subscribes Ab- to that way of thinking but you but there's a difference when you see lindelof do it himself it's atrocious the two of them need each other like um prometheus was that Lindelof? Prometheus was Lind- Lindelof did a pass on that Lindelfinger, which was mainly to rewrite and delete stuff and say we won't explain that. But I, but that's that's I think that's exactly this what J.J. Abrams did with some of those um, narrative threads in the Force Awakens, such as such as he sets up a character called General Snoke yeah. or whatever, with with no intention what's whatsoever of of writing who that character is. Okay. He just says I'm introducing a villain. He's shrouded in mystery. Um, you're only going to see parts of him in a hologram or whatever. But he is the linchpin behind the evil new latest version of the Empire, the First Republic. Just like Emperor Palpatine. Is that what, is that what they're, called? they're called? The first? They called the called the First Republic. Uh, the First Order. First Order. Exactly, exactly <laughs> the same way as Palpatine was in the original trilogy. No, because who underpinned everything and wasn't explained. Even in that trilogy, yes, but he, but he was, he was though, he, he was, no, he, he wasn't. was written. He, there no, was, there's, there's, a, there's no, no, there's different. There's three films, right, yeah. of, with that character, right. Whereas Abrams has just been has, has written a quarter of a character, and then said, right, someone else finish this off. Someone else explain who he is. Someone else explain his motives. Someone else explain his backstory. Someone else explain etc. 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 That's what I mean by like yeah, okay, he's, he's shirking his responsibility. No, I don't it's see it. It's too that, easy, I mate. Don't see it that way it's at all. It's too easy. I don't see it. I think that's perfect writing when you know that there's going to be more films that follow. So okay, let's just jump onto Snoke for a second because lots of the things that people are bitching about is focused around the fact that that you never find out who Snoke is and Snoke just dies. Which I love. I, well, love I thought that. was brilliant because yeah, I didn't was. see it coming. Uh, and it turns out that Ben is going to be the ultimate bad guy, which means there's no redemption for this guy. I think that was wicked storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Um, but people are saying, oh, we don't know anything about Snoke. And then you have to look back to the original trilogy and go, we knew nothing about the Emperor for over 20 years. Like Return of the Jedi, there's nothing explained about where he came from, who he was. All we yeah. know is he's evil. And it wasn't until 1999 when The Phantom Menace came out that we started to actually get a little bit of backstory about Senator Palpatine. And essentially the best part of the prequel trilogy is watching the rise of Palpatine. Hmm. That's what I focus on and find actually interesting. Through a load of like seminars. (laughs) Fuck's sake, George. (laughs) I don't see what people's problem is. Other than having a preconceived notion in your head. I'll tell you people's problem. What Abrams did was set this up to be another Palpatine set it up to be another Agreed. huge yes. villain because he followed the same steps and it's not people's fault for thinking that's what's going to happen next no. it's the way it's written it's the way it's it's set up i agree with you i love the fact that johnson said oh come on really you want to do that again nope 
I'll cut him in half, and then we'll have a fucking Barney. <laughs> how good was that fight scene, though? Oh, Mate, how good was that fight scene? I've had conversations with people over the years that have always gone, well, wouldn't you just turn it off and on again loads? Yes. And, and wouldn't <laughs> or you just, just spin on the spot. Yeah, and you know, if somebody was coming to block that you, happen, you could just it? turn it off. And you'd appear on the other side of their block and stuff. And then we watched the fight scene like, this is what we've been talking yes, about. Yes, exactly. Because um, it's the fight scene that you always imagined in your head whenever you like play fought with like lightsabers and shit as a kid. It's like, I want loads of red, weird red guards with loads of cool weird weapons. And I want to fucking have a go at all of them one by one. And they're all going to be like doing all this cool stuff. But eventually I'm going to like cut their legs off. I'm going to like jab it through his mouth. Ugh, jab it through his mouth. <laughs> Jab you for your mouth. <laughs> Killed it. I always ruined it. Do you know what I mean? It's the fight scene you always imagined as a kid, isn't it? I didn't know at the end of that scene whether she was going to join him. Mm. Because his argument to her, yeah. which is again another thing that pissed people off, because everyone's like, oh, Ray's going to be a Skywalker. I'm like, please, God, don't let her be a Skywalker, because that would be so lazy and contrived. Yes. And he says, Agreed. Your parents were nobody. You mean nothing to this story. You mean mm. nothing to anybody. And it holds for a second. You think, oh, God, he's breaking. And he goes, but not to me. And at that moment, I shit. thought, oh, my God, this is it. She's she's gone. She's yeah. gone. It had me on the edge of my seat. That's good drama, man. The last thing we wanted to be able to do was to go into that film predicting everything that could happen. Oh, and my God, yes. we certainly didn't do that. But I mean, yes. from, I'll tell you what, where we knew it was going to be different. There were one or two things that that jarred and I know we'll get to those yeah. but the moment I knew it was going to be totally different yep. was the moment Luke threw his lightsaber over his shoulder yeah like, oh god he kind of just holds it like um, Hamill just holds it long enough and he's like nah boom out of frame what did you think of Hamill in this film mate heartbreaking like loads of people say when they were kids they wanted to be Han Solo and I don't believe most of them I think they're saying it because they just want to sound cool because he was the coolest character yeah I always wanted to be Luke Skywalker. I don't know, just honestly, that's who I wanted to be. So to see, yeah, my childhood hero so broken and sad and lonely and a failure mm. was painful to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really was. And you want him to like hit him and like, come on, snap out of it and teach her, you know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, if you're looking at like in the extended universe. Oh. Luke and I've read most of the extended universe. Luke is, if I'm honest, quite a boring character. Do you think he ends up being that way because he always does the right thing? It's a fucking terrible. It's the most boring thing in the world to see like this, like that endlessly, isn't it? Yeah. With no change. Fans' backlash is partly centered on the fact that this isn't a the representation of. Luke Skywalker that they wanted or they they think they need right that what they think they need and what they want is the this godlike character from let you know like Dark Empire for instance yeah. not the arc of him turning evil but him facing down a load of uh, Atat walkers and then they fire him fire at him and he bounces back the lasers with his um, lightsaber and then like crushes their heads with his fucking force powers. If he's that powerful, if he just has to look at the Empire's biggest war machines and just crush them with his mind, then that's not an interesting, there's nothing can kill him. He's, yeah. o he's OP, he's overpowered as fuck. You might as well fucking 
attach him to the Millennium Falcon by a rope and then fly him over a planet and just watch him like crush people's heads from afar like boop 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 that like that's that's the that's the Luke Skywalker you wanted and you disappointed you didn't get it they can't write that shit you, they need you need to grow up but I don't blame fans that that feel misguided or felt like they were let down because they didn't get that. Because like I said, it's been propagated through the extended universe too much. But they need, they, they, they need a more mature story than that. And that's exactly what they got. It's an incredible use of legend as well. Like Because the, the legend of Luke Skywalker has been with us for our entire lives. Yes. So when he starts talking about like had that responsibility yeah. it almost it feels tangible and real because we've lived yeah. with it in yeah. our heads yeah. um and it was it was a, a interesting and unique direction for them to take the character and i'm pleased as much as it hurts i'm pleased that they did we saw his little x-wing didn't we submerged in water mate that was the moment i knew he was never leaving ah uh, was it because some people have said they saw the x-wing and they were expecting a nod to him raising yeah. it out of the water, which again, no. that's, it's not that film. Exactly, it's not that but film. We were shown that through, the, through him chucking his lightsaber away. But that X-Wing in the water like that, he's not crashed this time. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's his commitment to never leaving. Yeah. Right there. He finds R2 on the Millennium Falcon, doesn't he? He does. Is that, for, is that, was that time number one for you? I think, I think there was something with uh, Leia or something beforehand that kind of made me think, fucking hell. But that, that, was, that was massive, though. I, cr- I cr- was bawling my eyes out when he played that message. Why, was that, why did that hit home so much? What it does without trying yeah. is it takes us back to not only A New Hope, but the first time we can remember seeing the film when we were asked to go on the journey with him. Yeah. So that took me back to a little boy five years old in thing. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Like, and just and crying my, my eyes out. That's the thing, mate. There's nothing like... Nothing comes close to watching a Star Wars film, a new Star Wars film in the cinema. Nothing in our lives comes close to that as Star Wars fans, obviously. Um, absolutely nothing. The excitement, the anticipation, the excitement, all of that. And then more, more than all of that shit is when you're in the cinema and it shows you shit like that and you think, fuck, I can actually picture myself as a, as a young kid watching this. It's inherent in Star Wars and it was never planned. It's just naturally happened yeah what was the second time for you at purity mate yoda yeah it was yoda and how happy are you that it was puppet yeah yoda it was like puppet yoda that... man he's back but but i i but was wasn't seeing yoda was it when he called him young skywalker was that the moment no what it oh my god i'll tell you what it was um it was yoda's introduction into the frame Oh, just which like is ears. his ears like that, and I was like, <laughs> it's like "Oh, Bugs fuck. Bunny. yes, it was like Bugs Bunny." No, that was it. That killed me. Just, just seeing that, and I was like, "Oh, fuck!" <laughs> and I, I was like, "Oh my god, it's Yoda! Yoda! We haven't seen Yoda in... Oh wait, Yoda's literally in every film. <laughs> I forgot that he's in every fucking film." And I was like, "We haven't seen him in twenty years. You haven't seen that Yoda in twenty years." Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I was, I was, I looked at it first in, in the first full shot of him. And it looks like too well like rendered or, or whatever. I thought it was another CGI, like fucking Yoda. And then he started to move, didn't he? And it was like little like wobbly little ears and like his <laughs> <laughs> And uh, like, um, like Kevin Smith said on uh, Fat Man and Batman, the, the podcast, he's Empire Strikes Back grumpy Yoda, isn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah, the cantankerous old fuck yeah. that he was. Which is a joy. One thing that never came ac- across with the CG Yoda, although they did try it, like Frank Oz talks about in Empire how when he was manipulating the puppet he tried to make it like it hurt him to move Mm. every single movement was painful for him this arthritic little frog and that never quite came across in the CG no with a little walking stick that is sort of no you're right it just sort of walks around like flat doesn't he like like R2-D2 style But like but he's in Frank Oz puppeteered it, mate. Huh? Frank Oz puppeteered it. I didn't know that. Yes, mate. It was on set. Oh. That's gold. It is. Absolute gold. So that was the second time. What about that, those, in, those that introduction? Those are my two. What? I, cry, I think I've just cried twice. What about Luke's death? Three times. Yeah, yes, that exactly. must have been the third. That, yeah. was, that was horrendous for me. I was like, fucking pieces of that shit. Absolutely in pieces. Twin sons, fades away, cloak flies off. I, so this was confirmed to me the second time I watched, I watched it. And I thought, I thought it was true the first time. And I was like, did he just imagine the twin sons? Did we, are we just seeing like what he wants to see? Is that what Ryan Johnson's giving us? Yeah. Like an, a vision of the twin sons. And he does. No. There's not two sons on that no, planet. No, no, there is. There is. There is. There is, because I watched it yesterday. There's not. Because I, I th- was watching for the same reason. In that shot, because in my mind, I remember seeing the twin sons as he looked out. Yeah, they're, they're not there. But what, when it shows the wide of Act 2, there's a second sun in the, behind the clouds in the sky. Is there? Yeah. What, in an earlier part of the film? No, no, it's the last shot. Yeah, no, I know there's two sons as he dies. Oh, right. But yeah. I'm saying that's, that's a vision. That's him. That's Skywalker imagining a second son as he dies. But Skywalker's already gone. You don't see it until after. You don't see that wide until after Skywalker's dead. Oh, really? Yeah. Then it must just be for our benefit? You'll cut otherwise. We'll cut this so you don't look silly. No, there's not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's a single son. I saw it last night before because I was watching, waiting for the twin sons and it's there but it's not where you think it is you think yeah. he's staring at the set of twin sons as he cries and fades away and he's not he's there's one sun in the sky that he's looking at mm. and then when it cuts to the wide to show act two before ending there's, there's two, two suns in the sky there but then the final shot of this again of act two there's only one sun no the yeah. one, no no the second sun's behind the cloud you can see it. it's a big bright bloom it? It's not that you never see them clearly in the sky, but there's a second sun in the clouds. Very, very we're going to do it after this. I thought we'd imagined them. No, I'm sorry. That would have been better. It would have been. You don't get that point. This is worse than the time that I thought the end of Nolan's Batman was all imaginary as well when he sat at that coffee table. I've heard people say that. It is imaginary. Is it though? It's, cool. it's not literal. It's imaginary. We've blown this movie successfully for that. quite a while, um, as we were expecting to. What yes. didn't you like? Is there anything that you really didn't like? I can think of one there, but there was one thing you didn't like. The first viewing, mm. I came out of it and I had quite mixed emotions, actually. I mean, it was more a kind of confusion about it being different to what I expected, like fucking most Star Wars fans. Yeah. And also it dwelling too much on the casino planet and it taking us right back to the fucking prequels, which is what it felt like. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? And also, there was something about the conceit, like uh, that slow chase through through space, that f- for me just felt a little like lacked urgency the first time I saw it. Uh, and the fact that you can, if you want, just pop out to a planet and pop back again 
without anyone finding it. Removes the danger. It removes it, the danger. It? It's that scene in Two Towers, like Lord of the Rings Two Towers, in the middle of this fucking huge battle of, uh, what's it, Helm's Deep. Hundreds of thousands of orcs and like imminent death. Then two of them just pop out around the back and like walk around and like have a little conversation. And all of the tension just like rinses off the screen, just sort of like dissipates. That's what this felt like when they just jumped on a ship and went to a casino planet for 25 minutes. When I watched it the second time, it didn't seem to bother me that much. It, it really didn't. And I think that was about expectation and, and, uh, and other stuff like that. Upon a, a second viewing, I don't mind the casino bits. I knew coming out of it the first time why they were there. I just thought that Ryan Johnson had written himself into a corner because the reason they're there is to set up this... If he's going to make a point that the spark to ignite the rebellion is in every single one of us across the galaxy, no matter how rich or poor you are, you have to show that because whatever he was going to write in the narrative, this film was always going to end on the shot of the stable boy using a force power and looking up to the stars, right? Now, that doesn't make any sense unless you go and introduce him. And to do that, you have to leave the fucking drama and take a sojourn to this casino planet. And of course, a second key message um, that Ryan Johnson is telling us is that evil doesn't look like stormtroopers and Darth Vader and men in masks all the time. Evil is the 1%. Evil are arms dealers and evil make money out of the good guys and the bad guys. So it's mature storytelling, mate. So you've actually found something positive in, because I, I, the middle act, I just think, I was like, oh, this feels fucking shoehorned in. But I you've know. just now given it a level of depth that, A, I'm embarrassed I didn't see, and B, I'm doubly embarrassed I didn't <laughs> see. That will at least help justify it to my... I'm, I might even enjoy it yes. the next time I watch it, because I only skip like three bits. I think you will. Okay. It's not that bad again, when you watch it again. Yeah. Like, I thought the... Like, when they escape and stuff like that, and then there's this... Deus Ex Machina Machina bit, isn't there? Where it's like, oh my God, we're we're dead. There's nothing can save us now. And then like, Benicio de Toro. Okay, I've got one for you. Godspeed. Laura Dern says it to Leia just before they abandon ship. Yeah. Is there a more jarring line or concept? Laser sword? Oh, that hurt as well. Did it? That really did hurt. From fucking Luke Skywalker, mate. I mean, they said it, they said it in Phantom Menace as well. Yeah, I thought they did. No, they did. He I says, I saw your laser sword. Only Jedis carry that type of weapon. Yeah. And, and I could never understood because it's always bugged me because like you talk to people who don't really know about Star Wars and they go, oh, is that the thing where they've got the laser sword? And like, it's a fucking lightsaber. Like, say don't know why it annoyed it me. Meant. And Kevin Smith nailed it when he was mm. talking about, oh yeah, laser sword was like the, the B-series like the rip-off, toy, the yeah. rip-off copy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Without um, the license. So I could... F- excuse young Anakin Skywalker saying it because he's a young kid and doesn't know it. Yeah. When Luke Skywalker said laser sword, I was like, oh, but Godspeed is bigger. But laser, it made sense for Luke Skywalker to say it because he's trying to discredit that and discredit yeah, okay, everything. Okay. I didn't mind it that much. It still jarred with me, but I get, yeah, okay. I get it now you're saying it. There is no concept of God in Star Wars. Oh, shit, yeah. One of the things I love about Star Wars is it feels otherworldly. You feel transported. That's another thing that I liked about the original trilogy, yeah. because in the original trilogy, there's lots of different languages and there's lots of subtitles. Yeah. It pulls you into that 
world. Yes. In the prequel trilogy, there was a lot of English spoken from all the different races and yeah. um, with funny accents that got George Lucas in trouble. Oh, come on, um, George. But it didn't feel like you'd been teleported yeah. as much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And God, Godspeed. It, yeah, means, yeah, yeah, I mean. it means, I hope, you know, good journey, but it's specific yeah. to our universe. Yes. So that's, that, oh, shit, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's got past loads of people, but it that grated something chronic to me. Yes, that kind of sums up the feeling that this film gave me the first time I watched it. And it's, to sum it up in like Star Wars action, this is like what R Ryan Johnson's, um, what his vision feels like for me. It's like, you know the, the classic cockpit shots, right? Always framed the same way, aren't they? Yeah. You know, fucking pilot occupies the same space yeah. in the frame. Yeah. In Rogue One, they even match, they even fucking intercut shit from the original movies from fucking 30 years ago, whatever. Exact same framing. What a Ryan Johnson version of Star Wars does is it has, let's say, Poe Dameron in the cockpit in space talking on his comms and we have that classic shot and then suddenly the camera moves and it whip pans 180 degrees and shows the nose of the X-Wing. That's what the feeling of watching this film is. It's a mixture of like the familiar and then the unfamiliar being quietly like uncomfortable but it's exciting but do you know what i mean though it's like something visually that resonates and says oh it's star wars it feels like star wars and then him just sidestepping it and changing it and you're like oh didn't expect it to do that that's exciting that's the mantra for the whole film isn't it i didn't that's what I, that. that was my point that's what i just said i'm agreeing with you yes. by confirming it and pretending it's my own theory wait get off um, what what scenes didn't space, resonate with you? When Leia became Space Jesus. That was weird, wasn't it? It was... I'm not sure about that. It, it's not only that it was weird, but it was an awful effect. It was. It really was. The proportions, no. everything was terrible. When Laura... When Dern... Laura Dern... Um, jumps to light speed to destroy Snoke's ship. Oh, shit. Exa amazing. Incredible. Beautiful. Haunting. That was brilliant. Some of the greatest CG, wonderful moment. But then you have Space Jesus on the other side, which looks so awful. It was just the sort of movement, like the, the pan of the camera, which was like... Um, so, so It was like Yoda's reveal in the... Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, that really like slick CGI camera movement, because there's no camera So movement. Leia gets blown out into space. Blow you out you into space. You think you know exactly what's happening, but yeah. then she becomes Space Jesus, which fits into your theory. What's you my theory? You think it's gonna, you think yes, you're with yes. the familiar, and then suddenly it all goes a little bit uncomfortable. Yes, um, it does, but you didn't have to do it in such a sort of creepy way. I actually thought myself thinking this while I watched it. It was like, I can cut this bit out. <laughs> like, genuinely thought to myself, um, you can go from the laser blast to the explosion, cutting to see her. It, no, because all it says do. is she's injured. And so I, it cut to them. I tell you what you do, right? Yeah. I tell you what you do. You um, you have the explosion go off, yeah, and you know, you know the you know the explosions in Akira, they kind of yes. like bubble around you, yeah. But and the the they're kind of like two of the guys in Akira, like the explosions just like fold round them, yeah. And you, you have, have that with yeah. with Leia in it, and then you the blast doors come down behind her. So well, I got to so, create that shot. So she's like kind of using the force to remain to battle the like suction of space yeah. she's there the explosion like engulfs her mm -hmm. and the blast doors come down the smoke clears and she's still there 
then she collapses else, then she? she collapses yeah that's how you do it um oh but i get i felt like oh they want to gift carrie fisher some like it didn't, really memorable it didn't, scene it didn't, yeah well it is memorable for the wrong reason no it just doesn't work in any you way given, does it you could, cheeky cgi shot as well when she says goodbye to lorna dern very cheeky yeah Teeth. I mean, yeah Teeth. you can see it it's good it's good yeah but it's not perfect talking of cgi that is some of the best cgi i've ever seen probably the best cgi i've ever seen in anima in rendering snoke's uh snoke's face fucking photorealistic for the first time just thought this is absolutely brilliant hang on hang on no photorealistic iron man's suit or are you just talking about you're talking about people's faces like skin sorry texture. full facial yeah Give, you, give your Snoke a full fucking version <laughs> to animate the face yeah. like that is that was brilliant until he until it was a wide shot and he, and he started walking and then it's got that horrible clunky Iron Man style boom, 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 weird gait I thought the CGI on that was fucking amazing that sequence when they trick Snoke when the when she catches the lightsaber and fills the frame with it fuck that's incredible and then that cuts with Laura Dern smashing through that whatever it was dreadnought ship yeah. to hyperspace fucking what joy because it's silent as well yeah, absolute, yeah, yeah, yeah because that's you know Star class. Wars by some people has been criticised for having sound in space you know there's an, and there's an abundance of it in Star Wars yeah. um, but it's this moment of silence and I was holding my fucking breath in the cinema yeah, yeah. I think I even looked at Mish at one point and went oh fuck yeah, that was stunning. Stop, stop the transmission, stop the tape. What you're hearing now is the voice of future Tristan, not the voice of Star Wars Last Jedi podcast Tristan. I've been sent here by an even more future Tristan to prevent a catastrophe. In order to stop this event from happening, we must halt the transmission of this episode immediately. The reasons will become clearer in the near future and have nothing, nothing to do with present podcast Tristan using what he thought were fully charged batteries, but were, in actual fact, about as useful as a solar-powered laser sword in Jabba's dungeon. And that is also why present Chris, that's present Chris from your future, isn't talking to me right now. So, we had a little bit of an accident, we're sorry. I also wanted to quickly say that present podcast Tristan was a moron and Lucas wasn't fined a million dollars, he was fined a quarter of a million dollars. And it was because he then paid that fine and quit the Directors Guild that he couldn't get Steven Spielberg to direct Return of the Jedi.